Same with Clarence. And, and George was actively trying to push Clarence away. George didn't like it. But Clarence was totally doing tough love and realizing that, hey, I know you're not going to like me. I know you're not going to really be comfortable with all of this, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Soft words produce hard people, but hard words produce soft people. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, Andy Janning is a photographer, storyteller, and the author of Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men, A Love Story for Real Life. Don't you just love that title? When I saw that title, I knew I had to have Andy on the show. Using the hero's journey as a model, the book guides readers on their own heroic journey at work and home, helping them avoid becoming the villain in their own story. And my show, as you know, is not about giving people the opportunity to pitch their book, but this book touched me and moved me, and I know it will move you. His fascination with stories was kindled by movies like Star Wars, and Andy grew up with a love for stories, a love for not only the visuals, but for the people, the people and the journey that they go through to transform into something better. This fascination with the hero's journey sparked an intense desire to help other people, and he sought out opportunities to have a real difference and make people's pursuits of greatness about their hearts, about their dreams, about their hopes, and what they wanted for the future. But over the years, Andy's love of visual storytelling reawakened, and he saw a new opportunity to combine his passions. He didn't have to choose between photography, filmmaking, and storytelling, serving others, and helping people grow. He could do all of the above. One of the things we talk about is the fact that there are periods of time in all of our lives when we feel like everything is crumbling, but we can begin to circumvent that pain when we invite other people into our life, into our stories, and we can help other people in the same way. This is a very vulnerable episode. Andy shares some moments that really go back in his history and helped shape him into the man that he is today. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Andy Janning, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to to talk about your incredible book. It's uh, very well-written. The stories are, are, are well done, weaved throughout the book. Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men. You had me at the title. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and the subtitle, which I which I skipped there, is A Love Story for Real Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's really important because we go through our lives, especially, you know, certain certain pockets of generational, you know, certain, certain 
demographics and anyway, my generation, Gen X, certainly mm -hmm. stereotypical millennials, and even the, the up and coming generation Z, if you will, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. you know, we go through the world spending a lot of our time admiring others. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, that if Teddy Roosevelt's quote, that comparison is the thief of joy is true, then admiration is the thief of prog progress because you just, it, admiration doesn't actually change anything. Right. 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 And, and if we're just sitting in our, in the world, observing and not taking action, not responding, not listening. Right then we don't have the opportunity to become the hero in our own journey. And yep. this certainly, there was, there was a lot of love written, put into this book. You can tell, and it came from, I almost feel like when I was reading it, I could feel the weight of, of what was behind it. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't um, just flippantly written. It was very intentional. So we're going to get into the the origin story of the book and why you wrote it and how a VP of talent development from a credit union becomes an author and a photographer and a storyteller for musicians. Uh, you know, we're going to get into all of that. But before we we get into the origin story of the book, we got to learn a little bit more about Andy Janning and his origin story and what periods of his life and experiences have shaped him into the man that you are today. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like becoming Andy Janning? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I am probably a world-class nerd. First of all, uh, I just, I, I've really just owned that here over the last uh, few decades. Uh, certainly as I've had uh, children, two teenage daughters, they're very quick to tell me uh, that I'm not nearly as cool as I as I thought I was, and really kind of letting me know that uh, I will never be as cool as I as I want to be. <laughs> but uh, you know the, the the journey for to become first of all the most important roles for me are as a husband, as a father, mm -hmm. and you know bringing those all those journeys together has for me kind of looking back on what brought me here as a newly 47 year old guy owning my business and being a speaker and trying to weave all these disparate things together. Uh, I wouldn't believe the story if you would have told me this even 10 years ago. But really, I've, I've always had a love for storytelling. It was one of the first things that I, I remember growing up. Uh, I, I loved... My first movie was Star Wars. That uh, thing blew me away. I probably saw all the Star Wars movies collectively about 300 times. So please go ahead and judge me mercilessly. <laughs> uh, and... But that love, not just for the visuals, but for the people in the stories, the, the people and the journey that they go through to transform, the, the, the process that they go through to become better, to put others ahead of themselves, has fascinated me. And so getting a degree in psychology from Butler University, I still had that, that, that connection to and wanting to understand and help other people. That transformed into... A, a career in financial services. It was one that I didn't expect, but one that finding my way through that world, you wouldn't think that you know financial services would really allow for much of that sympathy or that empathy or that connection to people. But really, when you think about what, what are people concerned about? What helps fuel their dreams? And a lot of it's money. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that people get really worried about. And I saw an opportunity through that career to not just make it about stuff on the spreadsheet, but really to make it about 
hearts and dreams and hopes and what folks want for the future. So being able to go through that career and to help, first of all, help the people coming into my branch, helping help help them have the, their financial dreams become a reality, mm-hmm. and then helping train and develop the people that mm-hmm. help serve those folks. Mm-hmm. That for me was just a dream come true. But over the years, I've seen my that whole love of visual storytelling get kind of reawakened. And I saw opportunities to put all of that together into one package, photography, filmmaking, storytelling, serving others, helping them develop, helping them grow, not seeing them as either ors, but also seeing them as yes ands. Mm-hmm. And being able to put all of those things together professionally has been the sweetest and most uh, the biggest challenge I've ever had. And it's been a journey that I've loved being on so far. It's not been easy and it is not linear, certainly, but it's been the most rewarding thing professionally I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's hopefully it's, it's a legacy I can leave for other folks, including but not limited to my family and my friends. Now, when you go, you, you said a couple of things at the beginning as you answered that question. One is that you, you always have been a storyteller and that you've always appreciated stories. And mm-hmm. also that your most important role is as a husband and father. And I want to kind of, pull on those threads a little bit. So when you, when you go back and you think back to your childhood as, as growing up, who was the first storyteller that you experienced that really kind of influenced your desire to tell stories? It it really wasn't a person that I knew. It was mostly just movies. Uh, I was, you know, because of my, the way my childhood developed, uh, I, we didn't have the roughest life growing up. So it took a lot of solace in books and movies and, you know, in, in many ways, kind of escaping some of the realities that were around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to kind of transport myself into these worlds, uh, some of them very near to reality, some of them, you know, completely science fiction, you know, galaxies far, far away. I saw, I saw what stories could do. They could lighten the load. They could lift your spirits, even when everything around you is falling down. And I could see inspiration in the characters that grew very near and dear to my heart. And being able to see that, hey, if they can make it, I can too. Yes, many of them were fictional. But most, but during that love of seeing and falling in love with the stories that people tell, I got to meet other people that were kind of like me, that mm-hmm. were in the same boat. And to meet people in college and in my career that really nurtured that. Mm-hmm. So I can't, re- I can't point to one specific real world person growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or not, but I am definitely a child of media. I'm, yeah. ch- I'm definitely somebody that was blessed by and touched by you know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and you know, great authors like Alan Dean Foster and Michael Crichton. And being able to see what story can do and also helping understand the roots of a really good story. Mm-hmm. That it's not just about explosions and color and great sound effects. There's something essentially human and essentially similar about the stories that we tell about the people that we want to be. That was a revelation I had a few years ago that really led me on the path to what I'm doing now and to the book that I wrote. So what you said you had to seek solace in books and in media. What was the, the cause for that? Why did you have to seek shelter there, if you will? So growing up in a, in a house that's, let's just say it was, it was uh, full of very broken people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you, when you are growing up around, you know, parents and loved ones that are dealing with their own kinds of pain. 
you know, you, you start to see the worst parts of humanity. And for me, for better, or for worse, I like to help and I want to help fix. And seeing that, seeing that urge get nurtured in the home environment in which I grew up, um, not having it completely, dis, not, not be completely discouraged by what was happening around me and, and not pulling away from others and developing a very cynical bent. Um, I, first of all, credit, credit God, credit Christ, uh, credit my faith. Uh, that helped pull me through times when I wanted to pull away from all of it. And seeing the worst that people can be, but then also seeing what can happen, what happens when they say, I need help and I, need, I can't do this by myself. To see the utter lengths of both human depravity and humility and grace and love and seeing all of that fit together. That's been just this beautiful, this beautiful tapestry. I mean, I know it's kind of a cliche image, but, but really it's, it's amazing how it all weaves together. When you look at it backwards, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty. And, it, mm-hmm. and it was, there was a lot of pain there. And it was pain and it was discomfort that I'd never want to visit upon my family. Mm-hmm. But I understand, I understand where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And I understand how to help, mm-hmm. and I understand that it can that it cannot be done alone. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you become the villain in your story when you think you've got it all together and no one can help you. Mm-hmm. So trying mm-hmm. to avoid that urge and trying to help others avoid that that chasm, if you will, mm-hmm. that's been a very rewarding journey. How did the stories that you read and the heroes and the villains and the movies that you watched help you make sense of the your own world, the world that you were in? So help me realize that there's that uh, the villains are very complex. Uh, the, the what drives the things that we think opposes us are in many ways the same things that drives us. That you know there is there's certainly evil in the world. There's certainly darkness and depravity there. But when you get beyond the stereotypes that you put on other people, when you get beyond the labels and the boxes that we place on others that may think differently than us. When you start to see them as real people with real needs, whose needs are not so much different than mine, that they're just a, a very, you know, they're a, not even the flip side of the coin. They're just maybe the opposite edge of the coin mm-hmm. that, you know, I could be pushed over there at one time or another. And many times these are just folks that just need a little bit of help, that need a little bit of guidance, that need a little bit of encouragement and realizing that you're not in this alone, that you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay to screw up and to fail. And trust me, nothing in the book is me saying, oh, I have all of my stuff together and you should listen to me, puny humans. I have it all figured out. I don't. I mean, I screw this up daily. And the older I get, the more I know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. The more I appreciate the folks that are willing to look beyond and to say, you know what? I don't understand that person. I don't, I don't know where they're coming from. And rather than hate them, they're going to go across the aisle or go across the street or across their stereotypes and say, how can I help? How can I understand? How can I serve? Mm-hmm. That's what's made my world a little bit better. And hopefully I can help others do the same as well. That's awesome. I, I would love to know the first moment, like a real moment where you witnessed the power of storytelling and the influence it can have. There was a guy that I knew um, back in college, his name, his name was Mike. And he was someone that, um, he was someone that, well, no, I, I, 
Oh gosh, uh, this is uh, this is this is getting deep, man. I, I and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. He was somebody that um, he and I didn't he he and I didn't get along very well at all. And he was somebody that I uh, knew through school, through uh, through different uh, through different classes. He and I just didn't we just didn't click at all. We were just kind of fighting, just like fighting at loggerheads um, all the time. We were just we saw each other's competition. We saw each other as um, we saw each other as people to avoid. And this is tough for me because this is um this is this is kind of a this is kind of a tough story to tell. So part of my background is I used to be a crisis and suicide counselor. I was certainly wasn't when I was in college, but I had the, the, my bed was there. One night I was at a party at college, and he was there, and he was he was he was inebriated. He was um, he was in a really bad place, and he was he was really close to doing something really really bad to himself. And I happened to I happened to find him when he was in the middle of trying to do that. And at that moment, I didn't see a rival. I didn't see somebody that I didn't like. I didn't see somebody that uh, was a competitor. I saw a hurting human being. And the next couple of hours, I sat down with him and we just, I just talked. I just listened to him and he just kind of just dumped all this pain, all these things that had brought him to, um, from the, the point of life that he was at. Um, but when you talk to somebody who, you know, is maybe a little inebriated, um, have other stuff going on, you don't know if they remember it. And we, we talked for a couple hours. He stopped what he was trying to do. And he, and he, um, he, left the, he left the party. And I didn't, and he dropped out of school shortly afterwards. And I kind of forgot about the guy for uh for many many years <clears throat> until the magic of social media <laughs> and um he reached out to me on social media uh, a few years ago he says i don't know if you remember me and i, I remembered him instantly he said i don't know if you remember me but i don't know if you remember that night that where you talked to me um he said you helped me that night you helped me put some things into perspective and into place that I had not, I hadn't really thought of before. And you listened to me in a way that helped me understand my life in a way that I hadn't before. And he said, you, he saved my life that night. He told me that. Um, and he said, you helped me. He said, you helped me create a better story in my life. He used those words. And he, he said, without that, he says, I wouldn't be here today. Hmm. He said, so, so thank you for that. And I, and I don't share that because I think I'm all that in a box of hoes. I share that because when you are willing to step into someone's story and help them see the good that can come in life mm -hmm. and to help kind of shoulder their pain a little bit. You never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a very powerful story. It reminds me actually of a chapter in your book, uh, two chapters. The one is it's a terrible life, which is 
you know, a, a play on the, the, it's a wonderful life, mm-hmm. um, famous iconic movie with Jimmy Stewart. And, and then the following chapter, uh, Clarence and Mary, and you had that opportunity to be Clarence to Mike. Yeah. And yeah. I'd love for you to talk about, to maybe take that story that you just shared and, and unpack it a little bit more as it relates to the fact that there are periods in time in our lives where we all feel like, quote unquote, it's a terrible life mm-hmm. and everything is crumbling and falling apart and how we can begin to circumnavigate that from happening by inviting Clarence's into our life or being a Clarence for mm-hmm. somebody else. and also acknowledging the Marys in our life uh, for what they do. So maybe you can take that story that you just told and and thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing it and tie it into that chapter. And then after that, we could talk about the importance of questions because you said that Mike told you you helped reshape the story he was telling himself. And the Mm -hmm. most important way we can reshape that story is by the questions that we ask of ourselves. So those three things, you know, that it's a terrible life, Clarence and Mary, and then the questions. Mm-hmm. And- yes. So, you know, It's a Wonderful Life is, I think, one of the best stories uh, out there about burnout, about what happens to somebody when they, they stop telling the really good story about their life. You know, George Bailey is the main character of the story. He kind of finds himself as an accidental manager of a credit union, essentially. He, he has these big plans to travel the world, but because of choices made by him and for him, he stays in this little podunk little town, and he gets tied up in the family business, this building and loan. He stays, and he, he has dreams of traveling the world, but he never does. And that, that burnout, that sense of my life doesn't mean anything, you know, emotionally I'm just spent, and none of this stuff really even matters, that whole sense just just tears him down throughout the course of the movie until about two-thirds of the way through. He's thinking he's going to end the whole thing. He's going to end his life. He's going to jump off a bridge. And before he can do that, though, he sees another person jump into the water. And George's instincts to have self-pity were erased immediately. He sees somebody in trouble, and he does what he usually does. And that is go to help. Dives in, pulls the dude out. And finds out that the dude that he picked up is named Clarence, and Clarence is an angel because, of course, they just kind of fall into our lives, <laughs> right? So George, you know, says, "Oh yeah, sure, you're an angel, whatever." And Clarence says, "Hey, you know, I want to give you, I want to, you know, for saving my life, I want to give you a gift." And George says, "Well, you know, it'd probably be better if I wasn't even born." And Clarence says, "Done. I'm going to give you a gift of showing you what your world would be like is if you were never in it." And for the next 17 minutes of screen time. Clarence, in dramatic detail, shows George exactly what would have happened to his life if he wasn't in it. His family doesn't, his, family, his kids never get born, his wife never marries, his town never gets transformed. And basically, everybody in his world, their lives are fundamentally worse because George wasn't in it. And George sees this, this destruction that his absence caused. And in one of the best scenes of movie history, he runs back into back to the streets of the town that he was going to abandon, back into the arms of the wife he was going to widow and the kids he was going to orphan. And he realizes when the town pulls together and blesses him, he realizes that he truly is the richest man in town. And when we talk about Clarence's, these are folks that are, that are either in our life for maybe a few hours in the bathroom at a party during college, 
or maybe it's somebody who has landed in your life that is there to show you, here's the impact that you have. Not a hype man. Trust me on this. This is not somebody just going, oh, you're amazing and you're awesome. And you're, you know, it's not the Stuart Smalley of you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, <laughs> people like you. This is literally someone showing you this is the impact that you have. This is the dent you make in the universe. And that's one of the reasons why people get burned out. We don't think the work that we do matters. You mm-hmm. think that everyone would be better off if we weren't there. What Clarence does is show you here's the impact, here's the ripple, here's the dent. Here's the good stuff that comes in your path. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that's, that's what Clarence does. He gives you perspective. Everybody needs a Clarence. But the second character in that story that's very compelling is Mary. Mary is George's wife. And when Mary realized that her husband was in trouble and kind of what tipped George literally over the edge was that his uncle, who was his business, business partner, also at the building and loan, lost all the money that kept the building and loan going. And George freaks out. He flips out. And this is like over $100,000 in 2018 money. George thinks, I'm going to jail. You know, I'm, you know, my life is over. Money's gone. All of that. Well, when Mary finds out that this is what happened, this is kind of what literally was sending George over the edge, she didn't just sit around and blasted George on Facebook and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe what a jerk he is. She got off her tail and she went through the town and saying, my husband needs, need, needs help. She helped solve the problem when George couldn't. So you need a Clarence to definitely tell you, here's the work, here's the good work that you do. You need a Mary also too to help you, hey, I'm going to actually solve, help solve the problem. And not someone to do it for you. Mary isn't just a, a, a quiet servant. She is a lion. She is a force. And she's not going to let the man that she loves go down without a fight. And I think if we had both of those forces in our world, and if we could be those forces for other people, I think this world would be a lot better place. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just passively accepting it or passively waiting for someone to come. Sometimes we have to ask somebody, hey, I need you to be a Clarence mm-hmm. for me right now. Mm-hmm. I need, or, and how can you be a Mary to someone else? How can you help fix someone else's problems? Mm-hmm. Not, not achieve codependency, not try and think that you're Superman and everybody needs and waits on you. You know which problems to solve and the way in which they best need to be solved and help pick up the pieces when things fall down. That's what helps create a better life. Mm-hmm. That's what helps create impact. Mm-hmm. When we look back on the narrative of our lives, it's those moments when we go above and beyond ourselves to help someone else. Mm-hmm. That's what that's those are the moments that we will never regret ever. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why this show is called the Impact Entrepreneur Show mm-hmm. because it's all about those moments that have the potential to change the trajectory of someone's life. There's three things that are going to happen when you encounter someone. You're either going to leave them with no change uh or or worse off potentially mm-hmm. or you're going to impact their life so much so profoundly that the trajectory is going to change. And it might not be immediately recognizable, but it will happen. And you might not even be aware of it, such as the story that you shared about Mike. You know, mm-hmm. your being present to him definitely impacted him and changed the trajectory of his life. And mm-hmm. we all have those opportunities throughout the day. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, 
They work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur holds you to call. So how would you coach someone to be present, so to identify both when they are having an opportunity to be a Clarence or a Mary or when someone is being a Clarence or a Mary to them, which is actually probably more difficult? It, it really is. And, and I appreciate the fact that you have, you have had a former Navy SEAL on your show. I'm um, a huge fan of the Navy SEALs, and um, they, as I understand, I've never been a Navy SEAL. I don't play <laughs> one on TV. I never, I couldn't even probably do even like day one of buds uh, yeah. when it comes to SEALs. But one thing that's always stuck with me is their mentality when it comes to sharpshooting. They have this mentality that says aim small, miss small, mm-hmm. and that really I think comes into play a lot of ways in something like this. Find if we have, we'll have this sense of thinking, I'm going to do this for everybody. I'm going to be Clarence to everybody, and I'm going to be married to everybody. And if you do that, you're going to drive yourself, first of all, nuts. And second of all, you're not going to do it. If you aim at everybody, you're going to, not going to hit anybody. Mm-hmm. Find one person, one way, and be intentional and start from there. Mm-hmm. It could be a spouse. It could be a kid. It could be somebody it could be in the next cubicle over at with you at work. But when you start small, your misses will be much less profound mm-hmm. and you'll have a much better way of learning what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And also, also asking yourself, okay, how am I doing with it? Getting that gift of feedback. Asking them, hey, what should I start doing? What should I stop doing? And is any of this helping you? Mm-hmm. Or do I just need to just fly away? Mm-hmm. And realizing there's going to be moments too when you're not going to be the most popular person in the room, especially when, when you're trying to be a Clarence. The thing with Clarence, and, and George was actively trying to push Clarence away. George didn't like it, but Clarence was totally doing tough love and realizing that, hey, I know you're not going to like me. I know you're not going to really be comfortable with all of this, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Soft words produce hard people, but hard words produce soft people and soft mm-hmm. hearts. And finding a way to really tell someone the truth in love and telling them, hey, I'm doing this because I don't, because you're going toward a ditch that you can't see, but I've been at the bottom of and I know the way out. Starting that with one person, one process, and then you telling the story and and remembering that over time, that will help you reproduce that in the lives of others. And Mm -hmm. that circle will naturally grow when you're intentional about it. So in the last six years, as, as you've transitioned into this new journey of yours, who, ha- who are the people that have been Clarence or married to you? Oh, wow. Uh, I can't. That list starts almost starts and ends with my wife, Carla. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been together uh, almost 18 years now. Uh, as a married couple, we've been together almost 20. And when we first were together, uh, she said to me, I had all these grand dreams and different you know, things I want to do. And she says, where you go, I go. Because uh, we're a team, and she's my biggest cheerleader. She's been both my Clarence and my Mary, probably sometimes in the same evening. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she loves me enough to not let me let go of what's essential to me. Mm-hmm. She also loves me enough to not, to not to not let me wallow. She loves me enough to say, "Hey, I'm going to help you fix this, even though you're not going to like." It. 
Mm-hmm. Some of the other Clarences and Marys that I have in my life. One is a guy named the name of Brian Moffat. Uh, he is one of my dearest friends, and he is a not just a recovering alcoholic. Uh, he's been ten years sober. Started actually this month. Um, he was also uh, at a point in his life around that time ten years ago, where he had basically blown up his marriage, and he had you know there was he had you know, cheated on his wife. He was in the midst of alcohol, and he was trying to push everybody away. But his wife Shayla said, "You know what? I'm going to love you enough to forgive you and help put you back together again." And now their marriage is stronger than ever. And they have actually a ministry now where they help other married couples, both who are maybe on the fence and on the verge of splitting up, helping them heal and grow in the midst of the most devastating forces possible and actually help them thrive and really help them come together in ways that they never thought possible. Mm -hmm. Brian has now also become a world-class marathon runner who's going to be running in his first Boston Marathon next year. Uh, That's pretty legit. Mm, and he totally. and he speaks he speaks truth into my world so much, and he helps me see. Hey, I think you're being kind of stupid here, or hey, I think you're letting fear get control of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, another one is Amanda McNeese, uh, who, with her business partner Liz and her husband Zach, they have been incredibly supportive of all these crazy things that I've had uh, in my head over the years, and they've been they've really said, again, hey, I think these are good. And they've also said, hey, I think these ideas, you may want to think about those. Mm -hmm. And I think really intentionally bringing people around you that have a different perspective that can love you and you can serve them and you can serve each other. uh, Those are just a few of the people that I'm blessed to know. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can turn out as half as good as them, um, I'm married to the woman that I want my daughters to turn out like. Mm -hmm. And I've got guys in my life that constantly show me that I am nowhere near where I, th- where I think I am, but I know exactly where I need to be because these guys are there. You know, the, the, when we all experience burnout or, we, or trauma or any kind of setback, it's, it's a moment, right? It's a, it's a moment typically that launches us or triggers that feeling. And then from that moment, our brain is flooded with all kinds of narratives and questions and things that we tell ourselves. and really how you formulate and shape a story is by the questions that mm-hmm. you ask yourself or you, that you ask others. And I think that the, the chapter that you, you have on that is really important. So when, we, when it comes to shaping stories and, and finding our heroes or our, our villains or, or crushing our inner villain and elevating our inner hero, what are the, the questions, the better questions that we can begin to ask ourselves? So I'm going to use a visual aid because your viewers can totally see this. Um, It's called Eight Questions for Every Hero. It's a little supplementary booklet that I put out with heroes, villains, and drunk old men. And what those questions are, um, the first thing is to ask yourself, what is it you want? What do you really want in your work, in your personal life? Not what everyone else thinks thinks you should have. Not what you think your, your life has been leading you up to. What is it you really want and why? The second question then is, who will be your mentor? That's, that's question number two, and you can't get around this question. Mm-hmm. Every hero has a mentor, period, full stop. It's been the tradition in every single story you've ever seen ever in your life. Heroes have mentors, but villains have henchmen. Villains think they can do it all mm-hmm. on their own. Heroes know that they're a hot mess and that yeah. they need someone holding them accountable. So the second question is, who's going to hold you accountable? Who's going to be your mentor? 
The third one's going to be, how, how am I going to fail? How can I predict the ways I'm going to fail? And what are some ways I know I'm going to fall short? And having those bloopers kind of preloaded. So when they come, you can celebrate that because that indicates progress. The fourth one is, how am I going to succeed? How, what are some ways they're going to tell me that I'm moving in the right direction? What are some things that will tell me that, yeah, you know what? I'm clicking off the right boxes at the right time for the right reason. Both of those questions in terms of what are my failures and, wh- and how will I succeed, those are done with the consultation of a mentor. That mentor is, by definition, someone who has completed this journey and can help you navigate through it. They know where some of the potholes are. They will also know where some of the summits are mm. as well. They can help you map it out. And then the fifth question is, what am I going to fight for and against? What am I going to stand up for? What are the things I'm going to you know, really say that this is something I really want? And what am I going to stand firm on? And what am I truly fighting against? And many times what I'm fighting against are things, are forces within me. If I just know what I'm fighting for, I may underestimate the, the forces that are arrayed against me. If I only know what I'm fighting against, I become essentially a mercenary. Mm-hmm. That all I'm defined as in terms of what I'm opposing rather than what I'm for. Mm-hmm. Both of these questions really stick to you know, compasses and actually put two stakes in the ground about what we're going to be for and what we know that we can't fall into. And what's victory going to look like? How am I going to know I've hit the right finish line? Because too often we just think, I just want more. Is mm-hmm. more really enough? Is more really what you want? And are you going toward the right finish line for the right reasons? And sometimes mm-hmm. it can change and that mm-hmm. mentor can certainly help you. The seventh question is, what am I going to give away? Mm-hmm. Once you cross the finish line, it's not just enough to lift your arms in the air and celebrate like you just don't care. You have to mm-hmm. give things away. Mm-hmm. Heroes bless others. They mm-hmm. find ways to give away and pour out to everyone else. And finally, where am I going to go from here? Mm-hmm. What are, where, what's my next direction? What's my next goal? What's the next ocean that I'm going to try and cross? Having that sense of, hey, I'm constantly in motion and realizing that, yeah, I can hit a summit, but you know what? Um, there are more mountains for me to climb and there are more people trying to climb this same mountain that I can help them move on to. Mm-hmm. Those eight questions, I think, are ones that have helped me in my journey, that have helped me kind of define where I've gone and help other people do that as well. And I can point to the times when I've really screwed up in my life. I've forgotten one or all of those eight questions because, yeah. again, I have the IQ sometimes of a turnip. <laughs> so I need these things in front of me, reminding me of where I'm going to go. And that's really what helps me on my journey every single day. I think that the, one of the most one of the questions that hits me the hardest is the is the what does victory look like? And I think that that's really important. Be, another way to to you know ask that question is what's your definition of success? Right. And I and I think that a lot of people use a, the wrong answer or the wrong definition, and uh, and ends up being some sort of a prescribed answer that the world has has laid out there, such as you know a a pile of money in the bank or, or what have you. And, and really I heard the best definition it, and it came from John Maxwell. And the definition of success is that knowing that those you love, love and respect you. And that's the definition. Yeah. That's the baseline. And so everything, if you have that, everything is upside <laughs> and you have the opportunity <laughs> to, to look at the, the pursuits that you're in and be at peace. And by being at peace, you're able to 
celebrate progress and and celebrate the process and be fully present in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what mm-hmm. really one of the things that that inhibits people from actually achieving things is that they're not present in the process. And as a result of that, they're not able to celebrate any progress. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, John Maxwell, yeah, we could pretty much say, yep, if he said it, then yeah, it's pretty much yeah. true. <laughs> uh, so I, and we're wired to forget as human beings. Yeah. We're wired to forget the things that we have accomplished. It's called the Zygarnik effect. That we have a better memory for uncompleted tasks versus completed ones. Hmm. And we always make success this on this uncompleted task. We think there's one more hill to climb. There's one more thing I need to get. We're always defined by our to-do list. And if I ask people, what are the next five things on your to-do list? They can rattle those things off pretty easily. But if I ask them, what are the last five things you crossed off your list? What are the last five things you achieved? They look at me like I'm singing in a different language because we don't remember them. We are mm-hmm. wired to forget where we've come from. These eight questions help you realize where is it, where is your journey taking you? Mm-hmm. What did you learn along the way? And what can you pass along? Mm. And if I can help my kids know that, if I can help my, if I can be a role model to my friends, if I can be a strong force for my wife and to be a source of comfort and joy and support for her and remember that along the way. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to be okay, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to. I, and I'm not going. I'm going to remember the right elements of my story, and I'm going to forget the things that that need to have passed out of it in the first place. Well, Andy, this has been an, an incredible conversation, very fun and insightful. And I have a few more questions, but before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we can send people to where they can get the book and keep up with you and your awesome adventures on social media. Absolutely. So they can find me. The point of entry is great. Uh, would be andyjanning.com. And from there, they can get a link to buy the book, Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men. If they're feeling really, really fancy, they can go to Amazon directly and just type in Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men. And it will pop directly up in their search bar. I guarantee you there's no other book titled out there like that. So the first one that pops up will be the one that you can find. You can find me also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, at Andy Janning. And I'd love to connect with you uh, anytime, anywhere. And what are some of the cool things that you're doing here in the near future? So one of the fun things I'm, I'm doing is I'm going to be helping and supporting uh, two very dear friends of mine who are uh, very prominent uh, Christian artists and evangelists uh, who collectively between them have about 1.5 million followers on social media, uh, Blake Whiteley and Clayton Jennings. They are going to be doing, starting in March, a old-fashioned Christian revival tour across the country. 73 dates uh, through, and we're going to travel about 25,000 miles. And I am going to be serving them as the uh, event host for every uh, event that we're going to be at and also serve as the photographer to document the journey that we, that we go on, to document some of the stories of some of the lives that are going to be changed through this revival, and to hopefully put that together in a book uh, here in about a year or so. That's awesome. uh, it's a continue. It's a continuation of the stories that I like to tell to show really what is, what have been their journeys and how what have I learned along the way. Uh, but my story is secondary. Even Blake and Clayton's stories are secondary. The real stories are the people that come. Why did they come? And what happened after they came? Mm-hmm. So to kind of think humans of New York, mm-hmm. but with an evangelical Christian bent. Uh, that's going to be taking up a lot of my time over the course of this year. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a really uh, big shift in direction uh, 
uh, for me, it's, it integrates uh, a lot of what I've been doing as a photographer and a filmmaker and a visual storyteller over the last uh, few years. And I'm just excited to see what happens. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. So that's a, just a, yeah. that's another milestone that I, I'm <laughs> hoping to have be back on your show here at some point and share with you some more cool stories. That's cool. So the last three questions that I ask of every single guest, the first is if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, to be able to take a portrait like Annie Leibovitz. Uh, she mm. is a world-class photographer and uh, her stuff is on Vanity Fair. And, uh, you know, so, while certainly her reach is amazing, it's her artwork and the way that she's able to capture the emotions and the story of somebody just in a frame. Mm. You can look at that person's face and look at the posing and you understand where they've come from and where they go. Mm-hmm. I, want that, I want that superpower. And that's not a, like a special lens or a camera. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. And if I can be able to connect with somebody on that level and to be able to help them feel comfortable enough that I can capture their story in one click, mm-hmm. that'd, be, that'd be a pretty cool superpower. Followed closely, though, by flight. So there you go. <laughs> I love also that, that I f- thought it was very interesting in your book, the, the photographer who has the 30-year goggles on when she's taking... Yeah. Pictures yeah. at weddings and things of that nature. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that, that's my friend Bobby. That's my friend Bobby Sheridan. Uh, you can find her at bobbyphoto.com. She is. Uh, she. Uh, I don't have any. I do not have a photography business without her. And <laughs> you can find out exactly why uh, when you read the book. She's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Now, this next question is: What are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing our full potential? First lie is I can do it all on my own. Uh, I think we've tried to blow that up here fairly, uh, fairly aggressively here uh, during this during this call, realizing that we can't do it alone. Uh, second, also is the second lie is um, I have to keep doing what I've always done. There's always a point where certainly the status quo is is good and it's comfortable, but as you evolve over time, your story evolves. And your needs when you were 20 aren't the same needs that you have when you're 40. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to evolve. Mm-hmm. And third is that, you know, money will make me happy. Certainly money is a tool and it's not money that is the root of all evil. It's the love mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And being, and if we think that, you know, the, 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 the harder I hold on to something, that means the more that I will get, mm-hmm. that, that is totally a lie. Mm-hmm. Certainly, you have to provide for your family. Certainly, you have to be wise with what's been given to you. But the best parts of having it are giving it away mm-hmm. and blessing mm-hmm. and realizing that uh, there's everything that you own right now, everything that you have, everything that you have in your bank account, and everything that you're sitting on or being enclosed by was all going to be owned by somebody else someday. Yeah. So go ahead and give it away now yeah. and bless others while you're still here, while you still have a chance to appreciate it. Absolutely. The, the last question is how will you measure your life? Oh, gosh. See, dude, you're going to like, give me like all emotional like for the second time in this interview. <laughs> um, how will I measure my life? Uh, I will measure it, first of all, in, uh, in my faith. Uh, how well did I walk with Christ? I'm unabashedly Christian, and I'm nothing without him. And if I can not just be thought of as a good person, but if I can think, if, I can, if I've lived sacrificially like Jesus did, that's going to be quite, that's going to be one. Number two, a second, follow closely. Is my is my marriage and is my wife better because she knew me? Was was our time together something that 
brought her joy, that made her better, or was I just a weight for her to deal with? That's that will be another uh, another component. The third one will be my children, my two daughters. Are their lives demonstrably better because I was in it? Did I help them become who they were supposed to be, or did I try to mold them into someone I thought they should be because it was easier for me? Mm. So if I can, so if I have those three lenses on, nothing else matters. Awesome. Andy Janning, thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. It was a blast having you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. This week's review comes from previous Impact Entrepreneur Show guest, Kelly Clements. Mike's guest questions and content are relevant to all parts of entrepreneurial life. He has a clear, clean way of getting to the heart of the matter. Any entrepreneur working to make a difference will benefit from this one. Thumbs up emoji. I love it, Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the show earlier this year. What a great episode that was. And you should go back and tune in to hear Kelly talk about the importance of purpose and play and how that can enhance our performance, not only in life, but in our most important relationships. And I would love it if you too would head over to iTunes and leave a brief and honest review of what you think about the show. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com the Lot Marketing Group, and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.